0: I said in the first service that uh, it was almost like saying, "sick them to a bulldog out right there. Thank you, Caitlin, for, for sharing that with us and for the challenge. I mean, she's trying to preach my sermon. So uh, but go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. The seniors cannot say that they don't have their Bibles today. Right? <laughs> So Daniel chapter one, and when you get there, say amen, and there's a reason for that. Or say howdy, or whatever. Everybody there? Now take your finger and mark where you're at in Daniel. Now turn to the New Testament in Second Timothy, because I'm not going to read the whole chapter in Daniel. So turn to Second Timothy I mean First Timothy, excuse me, chapter four. First Timothy, chapter 4. And when you're there, everybody stand. Reverence of God's Word. Some, are, some of us were quicker than others. Everybody's like, oh. Today we're going to be talking about making a difference. And sure, this is graduation Sunday. However, this applies to all of us. It's God's Word given to all of us so we can all apply it to our life. And so we'll see how God does this in the book of Daniel, but 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace once again. Thank you for a time we can get into your word. Help us to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, like I said, the title is Making a Difference, and it's a challenge to our students, but also a challenge to us all. And once again, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 4:12. You can let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Paul is writing to Timothy, his young son in the faith, And he's challenging them to live out the life that he says that he has. Those of us who are in Christ, he's saying, live it out. As the many years that I've spent with some of you, live it out. That's what he's saying. And what we're going to do is we're going to see how young people are an influence. That should be an amen and a thank you, Lord, for it. Whenever you see major movements within our culture, major movements within society, somehow or another, young people are involved. And in fact, they are a great push in it. And just like this verse, Paul knows and understands that, and he's telling Timothy the same thing. And then we turn into the Old Testament and we look at how Daniel... Yes, we're going to be talking about Daniel... And we're going to see how it applies to us. How the influence of this young buck and his friends influenced a whole nation. Now the background of this is, despite Israel's history of disobeying God's word, despite it, they've ignored the prophets that God has sent them. They've ignored against the sin. In fact, they've looked out to the pagan nations around them, and they said, hmm, that looks good. I think what I'll do is I'll ignore God and disobey God and go to that and start conforming to the way that the nations are. We see it in Samuel when they wanted a king. They said, all the other nations have a king. And God says, but you have me. And still they wanted a king. Then you look at where he's talking about idolatry throughout the Israel uh, history. And still, they wanted to disobey God. And yet, because of that, God is going to use an unbelieving nation called Babylon to take them underneath captivity, to rule over them, to siege them. And the passage that we're in today is the first time of three times that they're going to get invaded. And yet God is going to use four youngsters because they're the ones that are mentioned. We believe that's just four. There could have been others, but there's the four that they are mentioned. Use four young people, young men, to lead the nation or to turn things around for the nation, to stand on God and who he is and live that way no matter the cost. You know what they could have died? And we'll see that later on in our text uh, throughout the book of Daniel. Now, we won't cover the whole book, I promise you. We're gonna just cover the first chapter. Y'all are probably saying, Praise the right? Are y'all ready to worship the Lord? Yes. I hope so. The front row's quiet there. They're like, You're gonna get on up, brother Dr. Alvin Reed wrote this in his book, Join the Movement, when he's talking about young people. He says, Time and time again, a group, often young adults, grew sick and tired of lifeless formal faith. They young people, what I see when I'm teaching young people, is most of them, they hate just going through the motions. They want something real. And I would say, adults, don't you want something real? I mean, I don't know about you, but I do get tired of just coming through here and just sitting back and just listening to what the preacher has to say, then going home. I get tired of that. You know why? It's because I have a relationship with Christ, and it goes deeper than that. It's real. It's a relationship with a holy God. Don't you want that? I hope so. All this religion mess, all it is is man trying to do what man wants to do to get to God, but it doesn't work that way according to Scripture. What does that mean for us? It means, hey, it doesn't matter how many times you come to church or if you're on the Sunday school roll or what. You can't please God on your own. Only through the blood of Christ and you be accepted before Almighty God. And these students that we're going to take a look at, they stood on God's Word. And we'll see that in their life. And so, the quota for wimps has already been met in the church. We've already got enough of them. We don't need any more. So our challenge today is, to go and is, is out to you guys as well as myself, is who's going to stand? Who's going to stand on God's Word? Who's going to stand up for Him in a culture that says, Jesus, He's just a myth. He's just make-believe. Who's going to stand on it? Aren't you tired of believing in the Bible just because the Bible says to believe in the Bible? That's arbitrary. That's circular. It goes nowhere. You can believe in the Bible because it's reliable, because of the fulfilled prophecies, because of the documents, the manuscripts, and stuff like that. I'm not here to to give that, but I'm just giving you some reasons you can look into if you don't even believe in the Bible. And yet, we see something going on here with these four teenagers. It was believed they were around 13 to 17 years old. Mm, That ought to preach. And yet, they want to love the Lord And live with him. It's amazing that God, it looks like God, the God of the Bible, since Babylonian captured Jerusalem, it looks like, God, you're a wimp. No. No, what we'll see is he uses four teenagers to show Babylon, to show the empire that has conquered them, to show them God's mercy. That they can be drawn to God as well. And you'll see that happen throughout the book of Daniel if you, would, if you read on after you're, we're finished here. The main idea is to allow God to use you to make a difference in this world for His glory, no matter what the cost, I may add. And so we see here, let's, we'll see three practical truths. Yes, three. We're Baptists, so we have three truths in a poem, right? So we'll see three things in this text throughout this chapter that we can apply to our life, no matter what your age is. Here's a question for you that I want you to be continually having in your mind. Why is it that our teenagers, when they graduate from high school, you no longer see them in the church? Could it be that we have a responsibility in that? Could it be? that maybe we're not teaching our students why they can defend and, and, and rely on the faith that they say they have. And yet they, we send them to schools, and I'm not against this. Look, we got uh, two ECU, Wake Tech, State, and Career, and JCC that just left. We got several schools, and we got out in the workforce. And when they step out there, they're going to places that say, everybody goes to heaven. All religions lead the same way. You don't have to trust the Bible. You can interpret it yourself. Truth is relative. It doesn't matter what you believe. We're sending them out there, and we have to prepare them. Do you understand? How many of you would send your child... Go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll use mine for an example. How many of you would agree with me saying, take Elena out there to the parking lot? Go ahead, Elena. You go out there and play in the road, play in the street. No. Of course, many of you would probably shot me by then. And yet we send our students out to a pagan world, and they're not prepared. So here's a challenge to parents. Train up your child in the ways of the Lord. And what's encouraging is that our students have been hearing this. That doesn't mean that our job is done, though. Amen? We've still got a job to do. Let's look at what the first truth is. We all have to see that God's sovereignty, we have to see God's sovereignty in our life. Look at verse 1. Now, this is interesting. To me, anyway. (laughs) In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And it goes on from there. Now this is interesting. It says this guy, uh, the the history behind him is he's appointed by Pharaoh of Egypt to take over or to lead Jerusalem. And Babylon doesn't like this because Babylon and Egypt have been fighting against each other. And so what Nebuchadnezzar, Prince Nebuchadnezzar does, is he sees this and he says, Because I don't like what's going on, I'm going to besiege Jerusalem. And like I said, this is one of three invasions that they take. Now, isn't it interesting what it says in verse 2, though? The Lord gave. We have to understand something here. What does this teach us about us is that whatever goes on in your life, whatever bad things happen in your life, understand that God is in control. That's the truth behind this. It's the difference between living a life of complaining versus living a life of contentment. If you understand that God is in control and that He's orchestrating things in your life, the difficult things, you will be living a life of contentment. But if you don't believe, if you don't understand that God is in control of your life, when difficult times come into your life, all you're going to be doing is like Israel, complaining and murmuring. Why did this happen to me? Why do bad things happen to... Which What it should be saying, what that line should be is, things happen to people. We're the ones that make the, the distinction of good and bad when things happen. Because here, here's the thing. If we lose a child, if we lose a family member, if we lose a job, if we... You fill in the blank... You know your life and what has gone on in your life more than I do. So you fill in the blank. When those things happen in our life and they draw us closer to God, how can we say these things are bad? It's because our focus is off. Because God doesn't he doesn't dis- distinguish the, the two. He says, look, I'm going to bring... In fact, it's a promise from the Word of God that you're going to have difficult times, whether you know Christ or not. If you have a relationship with Christ, you're going to go through difficult times. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're going to go through difficult times. The, the difference is, is how, you, how you handle those times and how you see those times. And when we complain, when we live a life of complaining... That really points that we really don't have a relationship with Christ. Or, and, that we really don't believe God's word. So students, when you get thrown in the woodshed, and, and, and if you're standing on Christ, and you're standing up for him, and people ridicule you, just understand, God's got a purpose in this. You know what, I'll, I'll share a life example with you. There was a. I was in the sheet metal shop before I came to Hill Chapel. I worked there for seven years. And uh, there was a guy named Phil there. And uh, I love Phil. He's lost, he needs Jesus. And, uh, and ultimately, this is why this happened, I believe. Um, I didn't grow up in a church. I got saved when I was 15, 16 years old. And uh, from then on, I tried to seek out God and, and, uh, and try to honor him. And, uh, and God. Allowed me to keep myself pure before I was married, married, and I praise the Lord for that, and and so uh, never had sex before I was married, and um, there is a shout out to you teenagers, uh, amen? amen, and um, and so this guy he found out about it, and I I wouldn't say every day, but almost every day, it's at least probably two times a week, this man would come up to me and say, Lee, did you get any this weekend, and, and stuff like that. And would really just try to drive it in. I said, no, man, I'm not about that. I want to obey God. And uh, you know what happened? And, of course, he would laugh it off. But something happened in that man's life. His girlfriend that he was staying with was very sick one time. And he came up to me in the bathroom. And he said, Lee, can you pray for my girlfriend? Why do you think things like that happen? Hello? Open the door. There's a door open right there that God gave me through ridicule, 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 through trying to stand up for God's Word. Do you hear me? But here's the thing. Are you listening? Because a lot of times we don't. We just brush it off. That's just, that's just you, Brother Lee. You don't know what I've been through. I don't care what you've been through. God's in control no matter what you've been through. We need to stand on that and live it in our daily life. Amen? Amen? So that means when you go to, and I'll just use this school as an example. You go to UNC and you get into your New Testament class, which none of you are going to UNC, but thank you. And I, no, I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm messing, I'm messing. Don't throw any tomatoes at me. Um, but let's say you go to UNC and you go into the New Testament class. The New Testament Survey class, and you meet this guy named Bart Ehrman, who is an unbeliever. What? Brother Lee, he's teaching a New Testament religion class, and he's an unbeliever. Yep, it happens. And then he tells you that there's a mistakes in the Bible and that you shouldn't have to rely on the Bible. What do you do? You're saying on God's word. And you say, this is why you don't believe in that. Not because the Bible says so. But you say, can you show me the examples that you're trying to use? And then you do some research. They got these things in school. I think they're trying to do away with them because we're trying to dumb things down. They're called research papers. You do research. You look these things up. Hey, if this is not reliable, then what in the world am I doing in here? Do you hear me? You can stand on this, but don't take my word for it. Do your research, and you'll see. You'll see. So wherever you go, you may be in the workforce. God's put you there for a reason. God's allowing things to happen in your life, whether they're physically overcoming you, spiritually overcoming you, mentally overcoming you, emotionally overcoming you. He is allowing you to do that so that your life points to Him. So we need to see this. We need to see that. Hey, God's in control. And check out these guys. Look at verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of nobles. Utes... Now, youths in whom was no defect, who were <clears throat> good-looking, showing intelligence every, in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discernment, discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And so what we see going on here is that these guys were going to be introduced to PU. Pagan University. And there is a pun in that. P-U. It stinks. It's full of sin. And it stinks. Sorry, Rachel. It stinks. So here's the question. When they get pushed into this university... I mean, don't you think that Daniel and his buddies had all the right to complain? They had it, man, they had it good when, the Hebrew, when Jerusalem wasn't in, uh, under captivity. And here they are, a nation comes in and takes over, and they can complain. Woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. What do I do now? I don't know what to do. And yet they looked at it as an opportunity to be, to be used by God. Now, sure, y'all are looking at the descriptions, and you can definitely see me in that. Good looking, especially, right? You guys are terrible. Where's the encouragement? Where's the edification? Right? But the, look, these guys, they looked like Ethan back there. That's who they Yeah, I'm calling you out, man. No, I'm just picking with Jenna. But no, they were good looking. They, they knew a lot. They did their homework. They were good students. Now here's an application for you, right? Do good work. Wherever you're at, whether you're in their work field or in the classroom, do good work wherever you're at. Whether you're flipping hamburgers at Hardee's like I was doing or making chicken. I was called the chicken man. That was pretty cool. I had people coming by just to eat my chicken. I liked it. So you can go home and tell your family now, you know. Brother Lee was a chicken man. Now I know y'all are looking at my legs and you're saying, you're still riding a chicken, but hey. Uh, But anyway, he's saying, these guys, they had it all together. Look at also in verse 5. The king appointed them for daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were entered the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the, then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel he assigned the name Bethsazar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, a billy goat. Oh, a uh, bendigo. And so what we see going on here is that they were going to be put into this school for three years and they were going to learn the ways of of the, of the Babylonians. The language and everything. Just like you are going to be put into the college scene or the work and the college and career scene and you're going to be taught different things. And what you have to do is you have to discern what is according to God's word and what's not according to God's word. Wherever you're at. You could be an employer. And you have to decide, should I cheat this person or should I take a hit? Hello? Wherever you're at. And so what's interesting is that their names are changed throughout this. That Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, each one of their names represented a characteristic of God. Yahweh God. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the Bible. God is my judge, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is my protector. Each one of those names represented a name of God. And then when they were changed, the unbelievers of the pagan nation changed their names, their names represented something or worship of their pagan gods. So what they were trying to do is they were trying to change their identity. Hello, do we not see this on the college scene? We send them off as the good little boys and girls. And then they stay like a couple of years, if not the first semester, and they come home and they're acting like, what, 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 boy? No, I am just like, you're like, what in the world's going on with this kid? Have, have, have y'all, any of y'all said that? Amen? <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes it happens, right? And so if, if, if our children, if our youth, if our students, not trained in the proper way, then that name change—it's a big deal. Look who I am—I can do what I want to do. This, 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 and it's all right. God, God, who? God is dead. That's the movement going on in the college scene right now. Live it up—you only got one life. This is it. But it's not even just in college; it's in high school, and now in middle school. Our worldview has changed. And yet we have to realize that we have to stand on God's word and and see the sovereignty, see him him being in control. And so um, we need to understand God is in control, see his sovereignty. Number two, we need to stand on God's word in your living. It's one thing to say, I believe in God's word. It's another to live it out. Now, this is where it's going to go. On my toes. Like Dale Holland says to me a lot. He says, if I hadn't been to church and my toes hadn't been stepped on, I hadn't been listening. He said that this morning in Sunday school. And so we have to understand something about God's Word. Stand on it. Stand on it. It's worth to be stand on. It's solid. It's a foundation. Your life without God's Word. I mean, hey, y'all have a choice. Y'all have a choice whether to stand on God's word or not, and the outcome of your life, the consequences in your life, whether good or bad, the results of your life, it will definitely be able to show what you've been standing on. Whether it's your intellect, whether it's your uh, your tradition, whether it's your feelings, it, it will be seen. If your life is like this. Roller coaster. If it's like that in the Christian, well, let me do this Christian walk. It shows that you're probably not standing on God's word. That you're not getting into God's word and applying it to your life. That's that's what it's saying. Stand on God's word, walk in the instruction of God. Look at verse eight. But Daniel, but Daniel. Here's another good but word, right? But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food and with the wine in which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. It's interesting that Daniel, going into this new scenery, he says, I'm going to purpose it in my heart. I'm going to intentionally say that I'm going to stand on God's word. And, and what he's doing is he's obeying the law. He's obeying Leviticus verse, uh, Leviticus chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 4 where it talks about the foods that people are supposed to eat and not eat. Now, this is not saying that God gave us laws to not eat certain things and to eat certain things so that it would limit us or our fun to take our fun away. What he is doing, and understand this, what he is doing is he's saying, look, don't do this and do do this so that you will look different from the lost world. So that you will make a difference. And so that when people look at you, they'll say, man, you're weird. What's the deal? Why is it that you're happy scrubbing toilets? Why is it that you don't drink? I've had that question asked to me. Look, I don't drink. Not because I can't. It's because I don't want to. So I won't be a stumbling block. And I'm going to use an example I used this morning. And my boy's here. I was cooking dinner for one of my youth. Uh, a couple of years back, Patrick, hey, you remember this, don't you? And, and uh, Patrick was a little bit late, and we couldn't, cooking some good old ribeyes, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm getting hungry, no, I'm just playing. I was cooking that, we were cooking, just wanted them to hang out with us and stuff, and you know what good, goes good with a good ribeye? A good old glass bottle of cream soda. I-B-C! Y'all must not have ever tried it. The cream says good stuff. Amen? Oh, man, y'all need to go out to the food line. Right now. Well, not right now, but a little bit. And so, and so uh, Patrick comes in, and we'd already put it on the table, right? And it's just so funny to me because he walks in, and, uh, of course, you can see our kitchen from the house that we were at. He walks in, he just, <laughs> just like deer in the headlight. Like, what's the deal, man? And uh, later on, I asked him, I said, do you think those, those were beer bottles? He said, at first it, I did, but, you know, then. And here's the point with that. People are looking at you. They want to see what's different about you. And, and, and Patrick knew the teaching that I had on that stuff, how I taught that. And so it kind of looked weird to him that I would possibly have a beer bottle on my table. And then I had to explain to him. No, it wasn't. It was good old stuff. It was a King soda. It was the good stuff. And that teaches us that the lost world is looking at you to see what is different in your life. It's not that he wants to limit you from fun. In fact, a life in Christ, man, I ain't never had much, as much fun as I have in Christ. Some of you are like, well, you ain't not lived my life. Well, whatever. All the stuff that you put into your life, Outside of Christ is temporal. It's temporal. Party scenes gonna be thrown at you. You have a decision whether you're gonna stand on God's word. No, I'm not gonna be about that. And when they look at you like you're an idiot, then you can explain why you're an idiot. Because to the world, if you're a Christian, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's where I like to be called an idiot. You can call me an idiot, and I don't have a problem with it. What you going to stand on? Walk in the instruction of the Lord, and then in... walk in the integrity of the Lord. It's, it's, verse, it's holy versus profane. What does that mean to everything in your life? Every single thing in your life is in one of those categories. Whether it's holy, it's going to bring glory to God, or whether it's not holy, it's not going to bring glory to God. Every single thing. Whether you drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, uh, take your girl out, walk, walk a lady across the street, do good works, come to church. Every single one of those things. Go to work, fit in one of those categories. Now here's the thing. If I take Mary Esther and walk her across the street just so that you can look at me, Which one do you think that falls under? Profane. It does not glorify God. Do you hear me? You see what I'm saying? So what you could do is throughout your life, you can say, okay, would this bring glory to God? So if I had a beer bottle on my table, you can say, Lee, not all that, but you can say, Brother Lee, is that going to bring glory to God? Or is it going to bring glory or pleasure to you? And that's just an example. Because it goes deeper than that. There's way more stuff that we... Gossiping, you know, we can throw that in there. And hating. Hating your brothers. You know, wanting to... You know, in your mind. That's what we're doing. So we can go into all that. Holy or profane. And and Daniel is saying that, look, I want to stand on God's word. No matter the cost. Because get this. There's only four guys. But then you have the rest of the nation. All the young bucks. They come from the nation and then from his nation... And imagine the pressure. Imagine the pressure that you will go through and go ahead and welcome it. Go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to receive pressure at school. I'm going to go ahead and receive receive pressure at work. I'm going to go ahead and receive pressure. So go ahead and purpose in your heart that when the pressure comes, when the pressure is there, that I'm going to say, no, I'm going to stand on God's Word because I love Jesus more than I love anything else. Now, I got quiet on that. And you may be saying, Brother Lee, this is supposed to be a joyous day. We're celebrating our graduates. Well, think that if you want to. But we're losing. We're losing the battle because we're not focused on the Lord. Stand on God's word. Walk in the instruction of the Lord. Walk in the integrity. Warren Wiersbe, uh, actually Romans 12, verse two, it says, "And do not be what conform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that." That's how I can tell some people are going to sleep it's because of, <laughs> but the word conform. I used to think it meant taking some cookie dough, and taking one of them little shapes and say. And I got a star. Sweet! Let's cook it. I got a star cookie. No, it goes deeper than that. My daughter just had her second birthday, and uh, she received one of these toys. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. They've got the little holes in them that different shapes, and you put that shape in the hole, right? Well, it goes deeper than what the cookie cutter thing is, because it's actually taking the shape of a heart, the hole with the heart, and taking a square and trying to shove it in there as hard as you can. That's What the world is trying to do to you. Trying to squeeze you. To force you into the mold where you think for yourself. And you think about yourself and nobody else. And you live for the world. And you don't live for the Lord. That's what it's trying to do. To force you into this. It's painful. Especially if you're a Christian. That's where it's painful at is because you've got the Lord telling you something and then you've got the world. I mean, come on, have you seen the news lately? Have you seen the media, the way it's pushing? Sex, sex, sex. I mean, here's another reason why I don't drink or smoke or whatever. You look on any billboard with any kind of advertisement for any of those things, what's on there? Some kind of form of sex. So why do I want to say that this is going to be a part of my life? Do you hear me? Now, brother Lee, you're getting all legalistic. Well, no, I'm just letting you know what the Holy Spirit has taught me throughout my life. Now, God granted faithfulness to him. In verses 9 through 17, we won't cover them all, but it says, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of of the commander of the officials. And isn't this something? And he, and he goes on and talks about how the commander, he says, look, look, ho, uh, 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 oh, ho, oh, oh. wait a minute, you can, you've got to take the king's food. Well, you've got to take the king's wine because if you don't, he's going to have my head for it. And Daniel said, what does Daniel say? He said, look, I'll tell you what, why don't we go through a little test here? i will not go through a little test? You put me to the test and I'll bet you, God, I'm going to show you God's power through it that you just give me vegetables, and this is not shouting out to some vegan lifestyle or anything, alright? This is saying that what he was doing is, these foods, they were offered to idols. And so he wasn't going to be partaking of that, because he would, if he would have partaken of the king's filet mignon, then he would have been saying, I am okay with worshiping pagan gods. That's what he was saying. And so I, he said, I'm not going to take that stuff. I'm not going to take that stuff. Because, and, and just give me vegetables, give me water and vegetables, and I bet you I'll be bigger and buffer than any of them other guys. And the test was done, right? The test was done. He didn't, he reframed from the meat. I mean, it's not ramen noodles, guys. I mean, how many of you like ramen noodles? I actually do, but um, some of y'all are like, Whatever. Now, would I rather have a ribeye? Yes. And that's what was being served with the kings. I mean, we're talking top dog. We're talking Angus Barn here. And I've never been to Angus Barn, but I've heard a lot. Because, you know what, Brother Lee can't afford that, mess. So I'd much rather be spending, buy some ramen noodles and eating and uh, spending, like, whatever that is. How many of y'all been there? No, I'm just kidding. Just, oh, Rachel's like, woo, me too. Oh, so. We know what we know. Your we know your daddy makes some money, huh? Don Shem might not be in here, but huh? I don't see his head anyway. He? Oh, he's down there. Oh, that's right. He's up there. Oh, I digress. Uh Colossians 4. Stop laughing at me. Colossians 4, verse 5. Look at what it says. It says, "Conduct yourselves," and it's a couple of screens over, guys. "Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders." Make the most of opportunity, Ephesians 5, 15. Therefore, be confer- careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And what's going on here is that he had a, he had a king that he was impressing. He had the officials that he was impressing. What, what, what would be said if we go into our colleges and we go to our professors or we go, to our, we, we go to our boss and we look or we work in a way that is pleasing to them? Like we work hard which ultimately pleases God. It doesn't matter if your boss is a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if your professor is a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if your teacher is a, pro- a Christian or not. It does not matter if your parent is a Christian or not. Because these guys were focused on the Lord. And they said, no matter what it is, I'm going to be obedient to God. You know, you can use that excuse. Well, I don't have Christian parents, so I don't have to be obedient. Well, I could use the same thing. Because both my mom and my dad are not Christians. So I could use the same thing. So let's stop with all the excuses. Let's get right with God. And let's serve God. Let's be obedient to His Word. Amen? Amen? Now you know when you say amen, that means you agree. That means it should be seen in your life. See God's sovereignty. Stand on God's Word. And serve God wherever you are in life. Look at verse 18, and we'll close with this bit of verses, because I know it's getting that time. Then at the end of the days which the king has specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all not one was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. And so the king brings each one of the guys, no matter how many the number is, I don't know, but he brings each one of them before him and he says, look, there's Alex. There's Haley, there's Zach, there's Bud, and there's Jenna. There's none like them. It, would he say that? Would he say, Keith, there's none like you. You're ten times better than all your coworkers. I can see Christ in you. And I can go down the list of each one of you and naming you out. I'm not. You put your name there. Would God be glorified by the way that you work? Would God be glorified by the way that you live your life? So he said, here, 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 here. Let me compare you to, oh man, you guys are coming out strong. I think I'll have you for my service. So it's a benefit to live for the Lord. We can see that here. I know that in my own personal life when I was working sheet metal uh, I started off as a helper. We called it A.K.A. Peon. And I did all the crap work. But you know what? Through faithfulness and trying to please the Lord through that atmosphere in my life slowly I saw how My boss man, he gave me more responsibility. Now, that doesn't happen to all of us. Some of us are in the same job for at least 15, 20, maybe even more years. But here's the thing is, are you content with where you're at? Are you content with Jesus? Because ultimately, he's the one that's got you there, right? So what happens, guys, if if you get a degree, let's say that... um, you go ahead and get your doctorate. You've been in school for a long time. We have something that hits our country just like what we've been going in, and nobody's hiring, and, and Smithfield Chicken and Barbecue. They're hiring. they' got a little hiring sign on there. And you go in and you get the job. You going to be content with that? Let's say for the rest of your life. It's not what I went to school for. Well, so what? God had you there for a reason, whether you got a a degree or what. I didn't go to school right out of high school. It took me a long time (laughs) to go back to school. I'm trying to think, but uh, it took me several years to go back. So, So you don't have to. Is it good? Yeah, why not? But as long as it's within God's plan for your life, you can fight things all you want. Do you hear me out there? It hey, ain't hey, just them. It's to all of us. Are you content with where God's got you? So serve God wherever you're at. Where, wherever you're at, live for him. Wherever you're at, live for him. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let me ask you something. What is this right here? Thermostat? I know you can't see it because of the piano, but thermostat? And then what's what's involved with a thermostat, right? You've got a thermometer built inside of it, right? It's telling you what the temperature is. And then you've got the part where you set it, where you set the temperature. Well, here's the question. Which one are you? Are you the thermometer that you are gauged by what's going on around you? Are you being influenced by what is going on around you, by the temperature around you? Are you influenced like, you're a good little Christian when you're at church, but then when you, go, when you go outside the church or you're away from everybody else's godly, are you influenced in the ways of the world? Or do you set the tone? Are you the one that says, we're going to set this the Lord's way. I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm going to stand on the Lord. That way other people are looking at you and saying, hmm, there's something different about you. Thermometer, thermostat. There's two questions at the end of this slide that I want to ask you. Which? Well, I'll just ask you, which one are you? Are you being influenced by the world? Are you influencing for the Lord? Are you influencing the world for the Lord? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves, right? So what are we living for? Laura's going to come up and play just in a moment. If you don't know Christ in here, you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, understand you can have a relationship with Christ. You can come forward today. You can sit back there and you can ask the Lord to take over your life. You can wave the surrender flag. I give up, because that's all Christianity is, you giving up, giving up you. If you want to deal with, you got sin in your life, Christian, Where you haven't been obedient to the Lord. And you've been living for yourself. You can get that right as well when we play. I'll be down here, but you don't have to come to me. I'm not God. I'm not your Holy Spirit. So you deal with what's going on. Graduates, I love you. and I I hope you've been challenged with God's word. My prayer is that you'll focus on the Lord in all that you do. Congregation, my prayer is that you'll focus on the Lord in all that you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. We pray as we go into this time of invitation that you will, you will spark our hearts and help us to, uh, that we will we'll make a decision for you. And so Lord, we give you this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Keith. Are you weary and troubled No light in the darkness you see There's light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free